Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministries, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today we open up the vaults and go back to a message preached some time ago on God's wonderful promise that He'll never forsake us. We hope you'll appreciate it. We have a plaque in our home which says, The future is as bright as the promises of God. When you come upon a place in Scripture where God says, or the Lord Jesus says, He will do this or He will do that, you've come upon a promise. You've also come upon a prophecy, one that time, that the future, cannot deny. And in Hebrews chapter 13, the Lord says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can count on it. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Now there is the negative and positive of one thing. Let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness. Instead, be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. If you go to James chapter 4, and I'm not asking you to turn there. You can look it up a little bit later, but write it down in your notes if you're taking notes. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 15. We're instructed in that passage to not say, tomorrow I'm going to do this, or tomorrow I'm going to do that. We're instructed to say, if the Lord wills, I will do this or I will do that. And the point of the passage is to emphasize that we do not control the future. We do not control the outcomes, but God knows the future and God controls it. And everything in life ultimately rests in the will of God. And so the best way for us to gauge what the future holds is to find out what God says He will do. We've talked about this in the last couple weeks. These are our promises. These are our assurances. When we come upon a place where God says He will do this or He will do that, we have landed upon a promise. We have landed upon a prophecy. Something that is resting or secured in the determined will of God. It's something that is certain. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, declares something that is certain for God's people. There God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You can make that your first point in the message. God says he will never leave his children alone. Now, one of the things when you look at this passage you have to understand is that the author here is writing to the followers of Jesus Christ. He's writing to the person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so according to John chapter 1, the Bible says that when we receive the Lord Jesus, at that moment, God gives us the authority or the power to become the children of God. Not born of human will or the will of a human father, but born of the will of God. God produces or does something in our life. This is not childhood on the basis that God has created all things. He is, in a sense, the Father of all things as Creator, but He is our Father by right of the new creation. A new creation, a new life, a regenerate life that He gives to those who 
put their faith in Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Savior from sin. In that moment, they become the children of God. And so the author of Hebrews is writing these individuals. These individuals who, by faith, have come into this wonderful relationship. And he tells us that God has determined that He will never leave or forsake these children. The Greek word here actually has two negatives in it. It's a double negative. The best translation would be something like this. I will never, never leave thee or give thee up. I will never, never forsake thee. Let thee go. I'll never do it. Let's understand something about, again, what a Christian is. And let's put it in another way of saying it. Christians are people who have been found and claimed. You'll remember that the Lord Jesus said to Zacchaeus when he went into Zacchaeus' home, that tax collector, and the Lord Jesus you know, halted his march up to Jerusalem where he was going to die for our sins. And as he was passing through Jericho, he saw the shadow of one man who had climbed into a tree, and that man was looking to somehow find God. What a picture of human religion. <laughs> human religion is... People are ecclesiastical tree climbers. They are trying to find and search for God or come into some connection with truth. And the Lord Jesus comes to the base of that tree. We're told it's a sycamore tree. And he called out to that tree to that little man, Zacchaeus, and said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm to go to your house today. And there is a picture of the essence of Christianity. All other religions are man's mad scramble somehow to find God. But Christianity is the story of God's search for man and God finding man. The reality is that God is not lost. We are. Jesus comes and he calls Zacchaeus out of that tree and he goes to his home. He must have revealed himself as the one who was the Messiah and the Savior and Zacchaeus believes in him. The Lord Jesus says, following Zacchaeus' expressions of faith, he says, surely salvation has come to your household. And then he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There is a picture of being found. We are lost in our sin. We're lost under God's judgment. We're lost away from the relationship that He planned for us. We're lost from our purpose and our intent. We're lost into a world that is slowly drifting down into eternal darkness. But Jesus comes and He finds us. The Lord Jesus actually expresses in John chapter 4 in a conversation that you might remember he had with the woman at the well, the woman who had a life soaked in sin and failure and human failure. And the Lord Jesus came to that woman and he told her of another search. He told her that the Father was searching for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Now when the Lord Jesus finds us lost in our sins, He transforms us by His own presence in His own life and He pours His Spirit into us so that we may then worship God in spirit and in truth. And in both cases, what happens is we're found. We're found by the Savior and we're found by the Father. We're found to be brought into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We're found by the Father to be brought and transformed into a life of deep, meaningful worship. That's our purpose, by the way to know and worship God. So the Christian is somebody who has been found by Christ and saved and found by God and transformed to worship Him. Now the Lord Jesus tells a parable of this idea of finding things in Luke chapter 15. In verses 4 and 5, He tells the story of a sheep that gets lost and the shepherd goes. We looked at this a few weeks ago. The shepherd goes and He finds the one sheep that's lost. 
he lays hold of them. And Christ speaks at that moment when he finds that sheep. And he says that when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And the idea here is that he gladly takes full possession of that little lost lamb. Some of you may have seen pictures or images that people have drawn of that shepherd and it shows the lamb slung over his shoulders and he has the hind legs in one hand and the four legs in the other hand and that little lamb is secure and he carries him back bearing him on his shoulders firm securely grasped by him the lord uses this image again of a shepherd with his sheep in john chapter 10 you might take your bibles and turn there for a moment john chapter 10 he gives expression to this kind of possessiveness that the shepherd has when he lays hold of and he finds his lost lamb. This claim that he takes upon them. It is the possessiveness that Christ expresses over those that he has found that were lost. It's the possessiveness that the Father expresses over those who he finds to become his true worshipers. The Father and the Son both know this possessiveness. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. There is a possessiveness here. So God says, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave my children alone. And these that he's speaking to are those who he has found and brought to himself. And here's the application. Once God finds you, once God gets a hold of you, once he claims you for himself, he says, I'm never going to let you go. I'll never leave you alone. I'll never forsake you. And if you go through Scripture and you study it, you find that this is the testimony of everyone who has been made righteous by faith in God's promises and God's covenant and God's provision for salvation. Someday we're going to get to heaven and we're going to have an opportunity to have some of the Old Testament saints recount their stories and tell us what took place and we'll listen to the story and when the story's over, we might be able to ask this kind of question. Joseph may tell us of how his brothers forsook him and threw him in a pit, and then sold him into slavery. And then in Egypt, he was unjustly thrown into prison. And you might ask, during all that time, Joseph, did God ever leave you alone? He'll say, never, not for a moment. David could tell you how it was that he was pursued throughout all of Israel by Saul, and that for years Saul sought to put him to death and to destroy him. You might ask David during all that time in which you lived in caves and wandered from place to place and had no point of security, did God ever leave you alone? He would say, no, not once. Daniel could tell you of how it was that Darius had thrown him in the lion's den to have him consumed by lions. And you can ask Daniel if at that moment in time when God closed the lion's mouths, if God ever left him alone and he would say, not even for a catnap, Right? Never, never left them alone. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you were to ask them that question, would say, let Nebuchadnezzar speak and tell you what took place. And we read the verses in Daniel 3.25. Nebuchadnezzar said at that moment when they were cast in the furnace, look, I see four men loose, 
and walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Go to the New Testament. Read the story of Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, stoned by the Jews with an unconverted Saul who became Paul, standing over the coats, holding them or guarding them for those who stoned Stephen, cheering them on. The Bible says at that moment in time when they came upon them, that they came upon him gnashing their teeth, filled with rage, and they stoned him. But Stephen tells us of his experience in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. As the stones are raining down upon him, we're told he looked up to the sky and he said this, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Stephen, did God ever leave you alone? Never. No, never. God's pledges, once he lays hold of his little child, once he has found us, once he has claimed us to himself, he will not let us go. Now the question is, have you been found of him? Found of Him in your sin and inability to do anything to save yourself from it. Found of Him and granted by Him repentance and faith in His saving power alone. If you have, rejoice. If you're unsure, seek that one who seeks to save sinners. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time. God bless you.